0: Hello, everyone. I'm Joe Van Hoogen, and this is the Bread of Life. This program is brought to you by the Ministry of Church Partnership Evangelism and the local church Bread of Life Fellowship here in Boise, Idaho. You can learn more about our work around the world by going to cpeonline.org. And to learn about our mission fellowship here in Boise, go to breadoflifeboise.org. We've been considering the discouraged Elijah and how it is that God brought encouragement to him. Elijah was bold and powerful in his ministry but then the day came when he crashed in fatigue and disappointment and God lets us see Elijah fail in this way so that we might never mistake that all that Elijah did of good he did by God's enabling and so that we might come to know the secret of living above the weakness of our own abilities and living in the power of God. Our life is a life in which The Holy Spirit comes and lives within us. And the filling and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit brings to us the very presence of Jesus Christ. And so we have Christ living within us, giving us a capacity and an ability that we had never known before to live a life that brings honor and glory to God. 2 Corinthians 4.7 speaks about this. It speaks about this life and this power that comes to us through the filling of the Holy Spirit. It says that we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. In other words, all that's good, all that we can accomplish that's good and worthy and glorious and impactful is given to us by God himself and it comes to us in these earthen vessels and there's someone who said, yes, it's in earthen vessels and we're all cracked pots. We have to keep being filled with him in his life because we leak, but he keeps coming to us again and again if we keep offering ourselves up to him again and again. So God lets us see the flaws of great saints in the Bible so that we would know that their power was from him and not from themselves. Let's make a real quick application to this and let's say something about this. God has not shown us This aspect of Elijah all of a sudden becoming weak and rushing off, this bold man rushing off to the wilderness and begging God to end his life. Abraham losing his faith. Moses not expressing himself in meekness. David not being loyal and true of heart. The Bible doesn't show us all of these individuals so that we can say to ourselves, you see, they failed, so if I fail, you know, hey, I'm no better than those guys. You know, they did it wrong, I do it wrong, nobody gets it right. Nobody's perfect. (laughs) That's not why God has revealed these things to us. That's not why he revealed David's sins to us. The reason he did was to show us what sin produces in us and the grave consequences of sin and what we can account for in and of ourselves alone. The point is that God is showing us these truths to teach us, to drive us, to recognize the absolute necessity of holding to him as our only source of strength and power and life. We're called to obey Him. We're called to serve Him. We're called to glorify Him. We're called to live as a prophetic force of truth in a dark world, and we're going to fail to do this if we wander from His presence, if we wander from His voice, if we turn away from the enabling that He alone can give us. These accounts are aimed to teach us to see that a spirit of self-sufficiency will always lead us into moral failure they're to embed within our conscience what Jesus said in John 15:5 without me without me you can do nothing but if you abide in me you see if you abide in me you'll produce much fruit god is teaching this principle over and over again positively and negatively the reality of this. In this passage, Elijah hasn't listened to the voice of God. He's not following God's instruction. He's not waiting for God's direction. He's not standing at his post. In a moment of crisis and discouragement, he has not stood in his faith, but he's run from the threat of the enemy, and he's not run there in faith, he's run there in fear. He doesn't run now in the power and strength of the Spirit, but in the strength of his own flesh, which, by the way, is still awfully powerful. He falters in his service. There are all kinds of reasons why Elijah could do this. I wish I had the time. I think we could look into the psychology of why Elijah did this, and we could be quite sympathetic with him. We could understand why it was that Elijah might feel the way he feels, and he might have this sense of discouragement that came upon him. And if you find yourself in times of great discouragement, and we were able to meet together, we could probably meet multiple times, and we could... Go through and dissect it all and find out all the reasons why you're discouraged and all the reasonable things that have borne in upon your life to create patterns in your life that lead up to these moments of profound discouragement and disappointment. But that's not why this story is here. This story is here is not to give us permission to delve into all the psychology of Elijah, although I think we could accurately do that. The purpose of the story here is simply to show us What it is that Elijah produces when he no longer relies upon the power of God and he no longer listens to the power of God and the voice of God, he flees into the desert and he's waiting to die. That's where it brings him. That's, by the way, where you will always be when you develop a default in your life where you just rest in your own power and your own strength. You'll finally find yourself in a spiritual desert with very little to look forward to but to die. And so, what do we draw from this? How do we now bring this and come to this and apply this to our lives let's say that I understand this message perfectly that I should completely rest in God's strength alone that I should go forward in his power and his strength and his enabling but here I am anyway I didn't somehow through some process I began to rely more and more upon myself more and more upon what I've learned and what I've experienced and my knowledge and I've Extenduated myself out where I've, I've not even been listening to his voice. I've been presuming upon what the next step was that God had for me. I was excited about a victory he gave me. And I thought, well, this victory, I'm on a roll. I'm going to go and do the next thing. I'm going to do something mighty and powerful. And I fail. And what happens in that moment? What do I do then when I fail? I just had in my mind a memory The very first time that I ever tried doing evangelism in a public square, I was taken down, I was in college, and I was taken down to Hennepin Avenue. And this was an area where a lot of derelicts and people were living out on the streets. I had these encounters with individuals where I was able to share the gospel with them, and God was empowering me and enabling me, and I was so excited about it that I decided that I was going to confront the heirs in the Church of Scientology their building was right there on Hennepin Avenue. And so I went into their foyer and asked to speak to one of their leaders, and he came out to speak to me, and as soon as he began talking to me, I had nothing to say to him. Also, I was I'm a 17-year-old kid. What am I doing? And I literally I was so overcome with the darkness of that place. I turned around and I ran out of that place and you know, I didn't do any more witnessing that night. I just kind of sat on the thing. I just felt like the biggest loser in the world. I've been on a roll and then I said, "Yeah, I'm going to take on these guys next." Elijah is on a roll now. He's going to run down and he's take over spiritual leadership and be the advisor for the king and queen. And God didn't tell him to do that. God didn't lead him there. He made a presumption. He presumed upon what he was going to do, and he got there and he failed. And he ran away in fear. And whatever the story is for you. You presumed upon God's presence. You thought you were capable of something. You got out ahead of where God was leading you. Maybe you don't even know what it was. Somehow, some way, and some extent, you began to extend yourself in your own flesh, not relying upon God, and all of a sudden you're in a point of failure and disappointment. You had been going along and you were trusting God and believing God and you thought you were doing all the things, but whatever the event was, everything seems to be turning against you. And Now you're just profoundly discouraged and you feel as though you've made no headway whatsoever and that every attempt that you've made and everything you thought you were building is against you and people have turned against you or the person that you were counting on that was maybe hearing God's word and seeing God presented through your life has turned away from God entirely and whatever the story is and you're discouraged and you can't find any hope and you're pouting and you're sighing and you're praying for a dying and how does God react to us in a situation like that? Have you ever been discouraged like that? Have you ever felt a sense of the futility of whatever it is you were trying to do to do for God or you were doing and how God had used you and you wonder if it has made any impact at all? That's what's happening to Elijah here. How God reacts to Elijah is very similar to how he reacts to us. And I want you to see here that it's very encouraging. Psalm 103, verses 13 and 14, let me read it to you. Psalm 103, verses 13 and 14. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities them that fear him, for he knows our frame, and he remembers that we are dust. The next thing that happens here to Elijah is a wonderful illustration of this truth. God does not thunder out at him, heaven doesn't bow down to scold him, Instead, God does three things immediately. He's going to do a number of other things which we'll consider on another occasion here, but he's going to do three things immediately that will begin to rebuild this gravely discouraged and broken man. And I want you to know God would do the same thing for you in moments of profound discouragement. The first thing that God does, catch this, it's important, God gives Elijah some needed sleep. God gives Elijah some needed sleep. Elijah has run over a very short period of time, 18 miles or 17 miles to Jezreel. He's run 75 miles to Beersheba. Then after that, he's got another day's journey out into the desert. He's gone through a very intense period of time in which not only God has been powerfully working through him, but I'm telling you his adrenaline has been pumping as well. And all of a sudden, the adrenaline is no longer pumping. And he makes this pathetic prayer to God, but it is a prayer to God. And God doesn't answer the prayer the way Elijah prays it. God, just kill me. God doesn't answer that prayer. Maybe he does to some extent, but not as Elijah thinks he's going to do it. God wants to bring to death something in Elijah. But God's going to let Elijah remain there. But God still considers the prayer. He takes it seriously. He answers the need that is pulsating behind that prayer. And the first thing that Elijah needs is rest he needs sleep he needs a renewal of his body and so God acts here in a very motherly fashion there's something very maternal about what takes place here God gives him sleep and God gives him food you know when I was a young boy whenever I came to my mother with any kind of problem the answer always was you need to get your sleep do you remember that I think I was probably so hyperactive that she needed rest and so if she could get me to get rest she could get rest herself. But I have a sore throat. Honey, you need to get your rest. I've got a runny nose. Honey, you need to get rest. It was the answer for everything. It was the answer for growing pains. didn't matter what it was. You needed your rest. Oh, the other one was you need to drink more water. You drink more water and you get your rest. I don't know how the water comes into it. It fits with that idea. Food and sleep. Very maternal. Actually, the truth was, to a large extent, mom was right. Some time ago, I visited with a man, we were talking together and I found out that he was an an expert, he was a a doctor, and he did studies, clinical studies. And his area of expertise that he studied in was longevity. I asked him, well, what's the secret to longevity? What's the one thing that's the secret to longevity? He says, well, you know, it's really up in the air, we don't know. There's only one factor that we know contributes to longevity, and it's getting lots of sleep. Mom was right! (laughs) It's sleep! and. God knows it as well. So God gives this exceedingly practical thing to He gives this exceedingly practical thing to Elijah at this moment. By the way, did you know that Psalms 127-2 says this? That God gives his beloved ones sleep. Well, thank you for listening to the Ministry of the Bread of Life. To learn more about our ministry, let me suggest you go to one of two websites. First, Go to traincpe.org, traincpe.org to learn more about the work we're doing all over the world to equip and engage the body of Christ in personal evangelism, discipleship, and church planting. Or to learn about our work in your community, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, God bless you.